Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Hey, today I want to share on being a life giver. And um, I want to just pray before I start. Lord, we ask this morning that you would speak to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And we ask this morning that you would move in this place, that you would shape us, mould us, that you would grow us. Lord, we pray for good things. We ask that you would speak to us clearly and strengthen us in so many ways. We thank you for what you're already doing and for how you're showing us more of yourself. We pray for increase. Even right now, Lord, this morning, we pray for increase, more of you, more of your goodness, your presence, your power, your understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read from um, Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to have it up on the screen because most of you know Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus gave a great sermon and... um, He spelled out a lot of simple things, simple truths that we memorize and we understand as central to our Christian faith. This morning, I want to share on being a life giver and a little bit about what that looks like. And so many of you are life givers. I always look forward to meeting Rob Bayry on a Sunday morning. He's a life giver. And Keith, and he's standing there. He's a life giver. So we exchange gardening tips And he always gives me a few good gardening tips. He's a life giver. And so many of you are life givers. And when you meet people during the week, maybe at work, you know, some of the greatest life givers are Monday morning life givers. I don't know about you, but it's a supernatural gift to be a life giver on a Monday morning. When you walk into that office or university lecture or school or whatever arena of life, Monday morning. About 9.30, you know, and and you walk in there and you've got a choice. Do I want to be a life giver or do I want to be the same, you know, complaining person that maybe I was in the past? I want to challenge you tomorrow morning, remember my voice. Be a life giver. Be a life giver. Be the one who stirs up a bit of joy in the office or in the lecture. I mean, not when the lecturer is lecturing, but in the right way, or wherever you are tomorrow morning, be the life giver. Because you have Jesus inside of you, and so do I. And we have plenty of reasons to be life givers. Sometimes we just need reminding. So many of the gospel truths we have stuffed inside of us, and the simplicity of worship sometimes is just a reminder, isn't it? Sometimes when I come to worship, and I'm sure you're similar, you may not feel like worshiping, going through the routine, singing songs. But then you begin looking at the words, and life begins to flow. And you remember the life given. You remember how good he is. You remember that this is all about him. It's not about me or how I feel this morning. It's not about all my little opinions. It's about Jesus. And all of a sudden, life comes. And it's as simple as that, isn't it? The gospel is so simple sometimes that we forget those simple truths. So if you need a bit of that this morning, let's read a bit from Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 13. For a couple, of, a couple of verses, and this is the words of Jesus. And he says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is it if salt loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? 
It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's an encouragement for us to remember that we are the salt and light. It's so easy in our environment. And particularly, I used to find um, when I first started a job as a sales rep in Lonsdale, for my first year, it was a depressing year. I hated it because um, I, th- I thought I was already past this stage, but and I thought getting a sales rep job and a mobile phone, it was a brick back then. Um, you had to have a whole car to carry the thing. And, um, and, and a company car... I thought I'd sort of made it, you know, in a way that I actually deserved some respect, but I actually went backwards. And uh, so my first year, I wasn't really allowed to do anything. And uh, I was scrutinized to the T. Every single quote letter I sent out was scrutinized. And really, really, I I felt like I went backwards. So for that whole year, um, I actually drove past McDonald's on Junk Food Corner, and I was just wishing I was flipping burgers. Have you ever had that issue before where you hate what you're doing. You drive past somewhere else and you just wish you're at Kmart or you wish you're at McDonald's, just somewhere stress-free, somewhere where no one really cares. What I, The worst thing you could do is overburn a burger or something like that because the situation you're in feels so bad. Do you know what? There probably was a lot of people who drove past that particular factory, wish they were sitting in my office, sitting on a little laptop, talking on a brick all day, you know, doing that sort of thing. Our perspective is so powerful, isn't it? And it's one of those things that the enemy tries to make us feel like our situation is the worst situation in the world. I want to tell you, it's not that bad. It really isn't that bad. The fact you're sitting here, we've got a roof over our head. We've probably got power and water at home and some decent clothes to wear. And we'll probably have food this afternoon. It means we're actually really, really blessed. And the fact that most of us can afford a lot more than that means we're really, really, really blessed. God has blessed us. We're in a blessed region. Sometimes even in southern suburbs, we forget that we're really blessed. We actually sometimes can carry a poverty mentality. And we can actually think that, oh, you know, we don't have to do this or we don't have what they might have in other regions and other areas. Do you know what? We're some of the blessed, most blessed people in Australia. I mean, who can drive 10 minutes just to get to beautiful, pristine beaches like we can? Or to the vineyards? Or if you don't drink, you can just drive past the vineyards and enjoy them anyway. We are so blessed. Do you know that this morning? You are actually radically, radically, radically blessed. And we need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. And this verse, I believe, is what I want to encourage you. I realized the last three sermons or so, I promised last week, I'm going to give you something positive this week. No pruning, no calibrating, no hard stuff. You've got through it. You've done well. You've done well. You're still here. Thank you for coming. It's an encouragement. You are the light and the salt. We have Jesus inside of us. We love salt. We have a lot of salt. We have Himalayan salt. It's very healthy. It's very good for you. But we have a lot of it. And there's something about that flavoring that does something to a meal. It's very rare for us not to add a lot of Himalayan salt to a meal. 
because we love that flavour. We love that distinctive flavour that comes out, and especially because we don't eat some other things anymore. We need as much flavouring as we can get. And some of you have seen, you know, my garlic post recently. I mean, garlic is just our number one. Garlic and salt. We just, we add so much of that stuff to everything. It's unbelievable. It's so healthy. The reason is, is because it's got distinct flavour that we love. The world needs our flavour. The world needs your flavour. Needs the light that shines out of you. The Jesus light that shines out of you and out of me. The world is craving. It doesn't even know it half the time. But sometimes all it'll take is a smile, not a grump. Grumpy Christians get very few people saved. Ever notice that? Fire and brimstone doesn't work too well these days. I don't know about you, but you ever tried standing up in your cubicle and preaching five, you know, not your toilet cubicle, your work cubicle. I've realized that cubicle can mean two different things. Okay, in my office context, a cubicle was, a, you know, a three by three or something like that office cubicle. And so that kind of preaching, it doesn't really work that well, does it? People need a smile. They need someone to engage with them because often in this world, there's loneliness and there's weariness and there's confusion. So they actually need a smile and then they'll receive the light. Then they'll receive the salt. Because if we hit them over the head with that stuff sometimes, they just run, don't they? I've heard at least three clear, verifiable testimonies in the last 10 days of people sharing Jesus and people getting saved from here in this church. Three people in the last 10 days. I thought it was a little bit better than that, but, but I think we might need a bit more than that. Give Jesus a hand this morning. Three people completely not knowing Jesus to now knowing Jesus because three of you were bold enough to just share uh, one was in the shopping center, another one shared in this area, a couple in this area. And so that's phenomenal, isn't it? Sharing Jesus, salt and light, salt and light. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I've, I'm still stretching myself in, in areas and, and this is an ongoing challenge even after the awakening weekend. It's just keep being the salt and light. I'm not at the stage where I roll down my window and just yell at people. Uh, anyone tried that in the last couple of weeks? No? Peter, love it. I can see your hand just, just tickling away. Yeah, well done. It's not easy to do, is it? I could see Ryan doing that, though. I think Ryan would be good at that. You know, just some people think you're yelling abuse at them. You know, like Jesus isn't necessarily a, a common good word these days, is it? You know, so I think you're yelling abuse at them, and who knows what the response is going to be. Just poke the person next to you and say, you are salt and light. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says to us, you are the light. See, we often think about it as Jesus, you are the light of the world. And that's true. But Jesus says to you and me, you are the light and you are the soul. Because he has given us authority to carry his name, to carry his blessing. And we need to represent him well, don't we? Especially in this day and age, we've got to be so wise. Aren't you glad sometimes you've just kept your mouth shut? I, I say that to myself probably 10 times a day. Well done. You just kept your mouth shut. In fact, some of the wisest people just keep their mouths shut. 
So I've just found a secret that I'm going to share with you this morning. Just shut up all the time and you'll be some of the wisest people in the world. It's, it really does work. A lamp is placed on a stand so everyone can see it, where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's about representing Jesus well, isn't it? It's about seeing our communities and our workplaces and our study arenas and those areas that he's given us authority or responsibility so that we can see things happen. Do you know, one of the most frustrating things is when I used to listen to preachers preaching this and on Monday morning, I'd get to my computer and I'd go, well, what the hell do I do now? You know, honestly, it's not that hard. I think sometimes we try too hard. I've told the story about trying to pop my eyes out, getting prophetic words for people because I'm just trying to squeeze them out so hard. No prophetic word coming. Doesn't matter. Don't worry. There's no pressure with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't ever pressure us to have to do anything. He's not trying to condemn us. Oh, no, you, you haven't got anyone saved this week. You haven't shared the gospel with anyone. The Holy Spirit never does that. Remember, he's lifting us up. He's encouraging, lifting us up. And so I, I found that sometimes when the enemy tries to come and bring condemnation and weight, I realize, hang on, that's the enemy. And we've just got to take authority over him and silence him and then begin to walk in our anointing. Every single one of us shares Jesus differently. For some, it's just a smile. For some, it may be sharing openly or more boldly. That's okay. We don't have to be like them. But at the same time, we want to ask the Lord, how does, what does your light look like when you shine through me? I want to quote you. I was in Melbourne at Stairway Church this week for a day. And um, I had the pleasure of, again, hearing Bill Johnson and Leif Hetland and some other guys. And, um, you know, we're twisting their arm. Don't worry. We're twisting their arm. And, um, but Bill Johnson, he, he's, he, he doesn't try in anything. Ever notice that when you listen to Bill Johnson? I go to sleep listening to Bill Johnson regularly. I do, and I know a lot of people do. His tone is just so relaxing. If you've got struggles sleeping, just podcast Bill Johnson and start listening. It's so relaxing. It's just like cruising in a limousine. Here's what he said this week. This, this, this is challenging a little bit. If we are not asking the Lord for increase, we are being selfish. Because the needs and demands around us are so great. The world needs what we've got. The world needs who we've got. Kingdom resources, godliness, truth, hope, destiny, healing, wholeness. It doesn't need a whole lot of the other stuff that we might let shine out of us, but it does need that. It does need solutions and creativity and cleverness and skill and wisdom and hope. This world needs what you have and who you have. I just found that, I found that really, really challenging. If we're not asking the Lord for increase, we're being selfish. If we're not asking the Lord for, Lord, how could you move in a greater way through my life? What are the, what are the areas of my life that I've still withheld from you? What are the areas of my life that I still could see your kingdom released in a greater way? What would that look like for us to go to a whole new level in operating in kingdom principles, the resources that he's given us? I'm continually challenged by people who are 
stirring for more and more of the kingdom. And this is why I'm Karen and I, we listen to podcasts, we listen to speakers, and, and we watch and see what God's doing around so that we can be stretched. It's a healthy thing to be stretched. Healthy thing to be stretched because it means we're actually getting stronger and we're asking the Lord for more so that we can contain more. I want to give you another quote from Leif Hetland that I heard this week. Leif's a Nor- Norwegian guy and um, we're, we're going to have Leif. I'm, I'm 99% certain we're going to have Leif, Leif in the next year or so. He's, he's promised me I want to come to Adelaide. I want to come to Adelaide, okay? So, and I'm meeting him again this week to sign a contract. Okay, but you, if you haven't listened to Leif Hetland, you will love Leif Hetland. I mean, he, let me tell you a little bit about him, the reason, reason I really want, want him to come. Leif Hetland is meeting with some of the world's leading imams. He's preaching in their, what are they, synagogues, temples? Mosques, mosques. He's preaching in their mosques. They ask him to come and preach on love. Right? A Christian evangelist, revivalist, to preach in mosques. Ever heard of that before? I haven't. So I want to be challenged a little bit. And so I've asked him to come and stir the pot a little bit. And, uh, and he does that. He does that. But anyway, this is something he says. The way you view God is the way you view yourself. The way you view yourself is the way you'll view others. The way, think about that for a minute. The way you view God is the way you view yourself. Do you see him as a man with a big stick wanting to punish you all the time? It's probably how you'll live your life. Always quite regulated and always wanting all of that bad stuff to go away and seeing that almost as a headmaster in old school language. And then that's generally how we'll see others. We'll judge them by the same stick. But if we see him as a freeing heavenly dad who wants to adore us and encourage us and lift us up and bring us to a new level in our lives, then we'll generally see ourselves like that. We won't have condemnation. We'll have freedom. Instead of servanthood, we'll have sonship. And to operate truly, I believe, as a witness for Jesus, this is a key is knowing we're sons and daughters, not slaves and servants. You don't have to do anything to gain God's love. You cannot do anything to gain His love. He loves us the same today as He'll love us in 100 years. Or same He loved us 10 years ago. Even if we were in rampant sin 10 years ago, His love was still the same for us. It doesn't grow or shrink. His love is completely the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ongoing love. And it's not a requirement that we do anything to gain that. We can feel more of it as we get closer to Him. But it, he, he doesn't change. And I found that just a, a deep thought. So you might want to write that one down. The way you view God is the way you view yourself. Don't be harsh on yourself. God's not being harsh on you. Don't be harsh on others. God's not being harsh on them. He's lifting them up. He's trying to encourage them. And in this day and age, salt and light and being a life giver is people who have a message of hope. Doesn't mean we water down the gospel. Doesn't mean we don't believe in hell. Doesn't believe we don't believe in the fundamentals, the inspired word of God and all the great truths of Christianity. But it does mean our main message is the message of the hope of Jesus Christ. 
the hope of Jesus Christ. Because I don't know about you, but the people I see and people who are around, they, they don't need telling off. They need encouragement. They probably nine times out of ten know they might not be living a great lifestyle. But remember what Jesus did for the woman who was living in sin. He pointed to all the Pharisees, everyone standing around saying, hang on, hang on, hang on. You're all sinners. And then he lifted her up. He brought her to a place of encouragement. And when we do that, we will be salt and light. We will be nice flavor. We'll be flavor that people want. And I believe that's what God's encouraging us to do more and more in our daily lives now. And it might be the smallest of things. I was in a taxi this week because I was too scared to take an Uber. I've never taken an Uber before. Anyone taken an Uber? Yeah, okay, you're a bit bolder than me. I didn't even know where to go at the airport to get in an Uber. But I want to go in an Uber, so I'm going to do it this week, okay? But anyway, I didn't want to get lost. I didn't know whether the Uber thing was way down there at Melbourne Airport. So I got a taxi, and and the guy was a great taxi guy. And I'm thinking, okay, I really need to share something of Jesus with this guy. I've got an hour with him. And, uh, you know, we were listening to an interesting thing on the radio at the time. But anyway, that's another story. And... um, and, and so just, you know, I just realized if I just give him John 3.16, it's not really going to cut it. So I just began to engage with him and just talk with him and find out about his life and just share with him. And in the end, I was just able to say some, you know, really just some nice things. Nothing prophetic, nothing profound, but just some nice things. And you know what? That's all I had. That's all I had. I wish I had a great Facebook post about how God gave me words and I just broke through and he fell in tears and, you know, led him to the Lord. And did, but I don't. I'm sorry. I just got garlic for Facebook this week. That's it. That's all I got. Sometimes the height of other people's testimonies prohibits us stepping out in the little ways. Because we condemn ourselves thinking, oh, I'm not getting those great words, so we don't even start. If we start with the talent we've got, he'll multiply it. He'll multiply it. He'll multiply it. We actually have a mandate. We have a great commission, but often termed mandate in this day and age, don't we? To actually be salt and light. You are the salt. You are the light. You guys are the salt and light. And we have a mandate. Matthew 19, 26, we all know that phrase, all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. I was dwelling on that this week. All things are possible with God. Here's the thought that I had. All things are possible, but they're not necessarily probable. And there's a difference. All things are possible, meaning we have access to many, many kingdom things, many godly things that resources that God has awaiting us. But it's not a guaranteed breakthrough in your life. We need to connect the promise of all things with the practical to release the all things. We need to connect our resources with heaven's resources and then it releases out of that recipe all things are possible. All things are possible. When we connect those two together, sometimes we just leave it to the sovereignty of God. And I believe in the sovereignty of God. But we can't just leave it to God and God alone. He created many people, us, us, to look like Jesus, sound like Jesus, 
represent Jesus, to do exploits here on earth in his name, on his behalf, if you like. So there is a responsibility of mankind to actually take the sovereignty of God and release it here on earth. And when we combine those two things with our resources and our creativity and the ideas that he's given us, he wants to do more. I want to challenge you. He wants to do more in your life. He wants to do more in your life than maybe you can even believe for this morning. He wants to use your resources and your gifts and your talents for greater things. Don't ever limit what God wants to do for you, from your life and through your life. He wants more. I want to stir up this morning some fresh faith to believe for more in us this morning. I was with someone this week, and um, he's, he's, he's an assistant of a very, very prominent leader that we all know, right? And I'm sitting with him, and I'm talking with him, and... Um, and he was sharing with me some stuff, some business things that they're doing and, and all sorts of things. And I'm sitting there going, oh, I just thought you were in ministry. And it sort of blew me away a little bit. And he began to talk about, yeah, we've got to use all this stuff. And, and it expanded my mind a little bit. And I want to share that with you this morning. Expand your thinking. Expand your dreaming. Because God wants to use all your resources, all your resources for creative things, for great things. And, you know, I mean, it's sometimes we're so limited. One of the things that I heard this week um, was uh, some Christian guys who are going into business and have started some, some uh, it's actually health and beauty stuff, and it's, it's, it's helping people get in shape, okay? I'll say that much, getting in shape, looking good. You know, things that I would have thought, hang on, this is not really the purpose of the church. See, already I'm in a poverty mindset when I start thinking like that. Already I'm judging what we are and aren't to do. You know, I heard another story this week. I'm just telling stories this morning, but stories are good. And I'm meeting with this guy this week in, in Sydney. His brother has opened a tattoo parlor. Now, this guy is a very prominent Christian, okay? And his brother is an absolute born-again evangelist, loves the Lord. He's opened a tattoo parlor. As soon as he said that, I'm like, ooh. Exactly like you. See, half of you did that. Let me tell you the rest of the story. He's on international TV, on an international competition, winning awards all over the world. He's been asked to go to, I think it was Singapore. I'll probably get the names wrong, so we'll correct it. I'm sorry if I'm getting the names and places wrong, but I'll find the facts out this week and correct myself next week. But he's going all over the world and been asked specifically because of his skill in this area to go and do business leaders and leaders. And in particular, um, he got paid to go overseas and, and do a whole um, business leaders and staff thing. And meanwhile, he's preaching the gospel, sharing Jesus with them, prophesying over them and seeing God break out and do things. Okay, I know the people who clapped have tattoos. Because a whole lot of condemnation just lifted off you. I felt it. We won't ask where, don't worry. It's, we're not that familiar yet. All things are possible. See, we've limited it to, oh, no, it can't involve tattoos. Oh, no, it can't involve the beauty industry. It can't involve too much money. It can't involve too much politics. It can't involve too much things that we just feel are outside of my little realm of thinking. Explode 
your thinking and see what all things really looks like. See what all things really looks like. I mean, who knows what God might want to do? Really, who knows what God might want to do through your gifts and your talents? I mean, it's crazy. I, I was sitting in the barber the other day, and uh, this guy was just getting some weird, wacky hairdo. And, you know, lines grilled in everywhere like I used to get when I was 17, and they're back in now. And I see Sam here, our barber. Good on you for doing lines and zigzags in everyone's head. But... I'm looking at it going, isn't it weird what we do in this day and age? But then I'm thinking, who's got the problem here, him or me? He's enjoying his hair. I'm sitting here staring going, what are you doing to yourself, dude? And it, this is so often what it's like as a Christian. We probably have boxes that we've never even had access to because of our little thinking. Little thinking. In the southern suburbs of Adelaide, we've got to stop thinking little. We've got to stop thinking little because God wants to do so much more. And you know what? He wants every single church in the south to be overflowing. We pass by a few churches on the way here. I speak in tongues over them. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. They get a lot of tongues every Sunday morning when I'm driving past them because I just bless them with speaking in tongues. I bless them with the gifts of the Spirit, not because they need it. They're still doing a good job, but just because that's what I do. But when we have a spirit that just gives and gives life and gives life, and we're not worried about what everyone else is doing and saying and thinking and, you know, how it looks and how it sounds and everything like that, we actually then have life coming out of us. And this region needs life, doesn't it? Our whole city needs life. Our whole nation needs life. And not life, life. Life. Now, I'm not saying this week go and you have to get a tattoo. Kids. <laughs> However, what I am saying is us as harvesters, stop being limited. Stop being so limited by what you can see and what you can think because God wants to do so much more. He has so much more at your fingertips. Remember, Matthew says the kingdom of God is at hand. So you have the whole kingdom of God, the whole kingdom resources available to you. Don't be limited by how much money you have now. Don't be limited by what you're thinking now. Don't be limited by what you're seeing around you. Begin dreaming, begin thinking. Now, this is a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing to say because we begin dreaming and then we get frustrated in week number two, right? But actual dreaming and actual planning means we're actually praying into it and we're, we're planning years ahead, years ahead. Karen and I, in the last few years, we've been praying for some things to open up. And right now they're beginning to open up in some different areas. And, and it's been, but it's been years. It's been years of just plodding away and planning and saving and, and doing some things like that and still dreaming and still believing. And every, every now and then the dream dies and then you have to resurrect it. Ever had that issue? Today, resurrect your dreams. Resurrect them today. You know what? Even if, even if they're not perfect, they're probably pretty close. They're probably pretty close. God will work them out. Begin dreaming again. Begin believing again. Because this city and this nation needs radical believers who are not just crazy and waving their hands, but they're actually really incredible with their brains. Actually, really amazing with the exploits that God's given us. John 10.10 10 says, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Have you got abundant life? 
Wherever you haven't got abundant life, begin asking the Lord to kill off that area of your life (laughs) or bring it to life. However he chooses to do it. Abundant life. You are called to be salt and light, a life giver with abundant life. And I want to speak over you because this is a prophetic word for everyone. Do you know the Bible is a prophetic word for everyone? You don't need another prophet to come to town. Or We've got the word of God. We'll still have prophets come to town because they're good. But we have the word of God, abundant life. It's the best prophetic word you're going to get this week that you're called to have abundant life. If you don't have abundant life, ask the Lord to reveal, why not? Why not? Because you said I should have it. You said I should have it. You said the kingdom of God is at my hand. Why aren't I seeing some of these things? Do you know what? He might whisper to you. He might say some things to you that you don't want to hear, but hear them anyway. Hear them anyway, because when we get real with God, He speaks real with us. And He begins to speak truths to us. Sometimes when I don't, when I ask him things, he'll tell me things that I don't want to hear. And that's okay now. I've, I'm actually okay with that because I just want to hear his voice. I actually want to know his leading. Sometimes, you know what? He doesn't mind. I asked the Lord this week whether I should go to Melbourne or not and, and uh, you know, hang out with these guys and just, just have a good time. Do you know what I hear? Because I asked Karen and she's like, eh, maybe, maybe not. And, and, and Jesus said to me, isn't it funny when pastors say that? You know, Jesus didn't even say it to me. But, you know, here's my thinking from the Lord. I don't care. Go if you want. Don't go if you don't want. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes he gives you what's called a free will. A free will. And he he doesn't mind. He'll be with you either way. Now, sometimes he does give direction, but sometimes we're so concerted in hearing the voice of God. The voice of the Lord is rare. I've, I've learned that in my life. The voice of the Lord is rare, but it's available to all. So we have to seek it out. Seek it out. Seek out his voice. And sometimes he'll say nothing. And it's very annoying. And I, if you're like me, you get annoyed. But he wants to speak to us. He wants to raise us up as Harvest Church. He wants to raise us up in this whole region, in this whole city. I want to pray for anyone right now in business or thinking about business or in that kind of realm, I just want you to stand. I want us to pray for you right now. I know it's random, but that's life, isn't it? Hey, anyone in that realm, just stand up this morning, your own business, you're a contractor or any realm in that, or if you really would like to be in that arena, you stand as well. Because I just want to release blessing. I want to release some real belief for you this morning. If you feel called to it, you stand as well. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these guys. I thank you so much for them. I thank you for their gifts and talents. Lord, we silence the enemy that says you can't do it. And Lord, we release your hope and your destiny and your wisdom, your provision, your gifting. And Lord, I thank you for them. I pray you would increase upon them. Even from this day, there would be a marked increase in efficiency, a marked increase in open doors. Lord, I bless them with every blessing. Lord, I ask that you would do great things in their life, that you would stretch forth your tent pegs, provide for them, guide them, reveal your goodness in their business and in their mind, in their relationships. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
Well, I just want to leave us with this. I want the worship team to come up. I want to leave us with this thought. What does it look like this week, this month, to truly be a life giver to those around us? You might even want to take out your phone or a little notepad this morning and jot down a few things that the Holy Spirit shows you. Because oftentimes I find that if I jot things down, I'll just remember it a little bit more. What does it look like to be a life giver this week? It can be the smallest thing or the biggest thing. What does it look like? Might be husband to wife, wife to husband, family, relationships, work colleagues, close situation around us. And when we think of that, it gets really practical because the all things are really only possible when we mix the promise and the practical. Then the all things, because all things are possible. Right now, all things are possible, but are they probable? Are they going to happen in our lives? I want you to stand this morning.